0: The title of my message today is Ordinary People. There are some ordinary people up there, you know, young, old, men, women, different ethnicities. A guy in the rack's Mr. Bean. He's not ordinary, but everybody else is ordinary. Some of you guys, if, you're, if you have a good memory and you're over 40, you remember a movie named Ordinary People. Remember the movie? Anybody? Mary Tyler Moore. Nobody remembers it academy awards timothy hutton you should just watch the trailer from it or something because timothy hutton's a little kid it's hilarious. i love that he's so cute he, he won an academy award for that uh it's a it's a depressing picture it's about how life just sort of gets out of control uh that's not what i'm going to talk about today but i like the title so i just pinched their title really i, just, I stole the title ordinary people um here here's the deal l- l- last week we took a little break Uh, But we kind of have been sort of looking at the book of Acts lately, and uh, specifically uh, what happened at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit uh, filled a group of people. And we talked about, if you remember, sort of what happened. You know, there was sound like uh, wind, there was something that looked like fire, some crazy things happened, and then we talked about the response. When people saw that, that weren't filled with that, spirit at that moment. What did they think? And they thought it was out of control. They had a lot of questions. Uh, then we, we talked about uh, our our response to that. If, when the Holy Spirit moves upon a people, what do we do? How do we respond? And we, we really talked about God's purpose for filling us and how the filling of his spirit really is, a, is an opportunity for us to to really deepen our relationship with him and enter into a greater level of partnership with him and sharing our faith and sharing uh, what God's doing in our lives with others, and gives us some some new tools to use in doing that. And, and then in a follow-up, we talked about the outcome and what, goes, what happens going forward from there. So I kind of want to pick up from there today, all right, at that point. And today I want to look at uh, chapters 3 and 4 of Acts. And if, if you're familiar with the book at all, you'll, you, you're aware that 3 and 4 is kind of one story together. Uh, I'm not going to read all of the text because it would take a long time uh, so we'll read portions of it. But, but what I want to emphasize, the thing that I really s- struck me as I was reading this a couple weeks ago uh, again is uh, that the people that were there at Pentecost that were filled with the Spirit were ordinary people. And after they were filled with the Spirit, they went out and began to minister in the name of Jesus. And they did some amazing, amazing things. And we'll look at that a little bit today. But even as they did that, as they stepped out in faith and they ministered, they were still ordinary people. They were ordinary people who had made the decision to follow Jesus, to give their lives to Him. They were filled with the Spirit, and they really, really believed that Jesus was going to do with them and, and in them and through them, those things that he said he would do. But in all of that, they were just regular folks like you and me. So, so let's pray, and then I want to look at a couple passages in Acts 3 and 4. Lord, would you just anoint your word today and, and uh, help us to receive it? We, we, we want to not only uh, know your word and be able to quote it, but we want to live it. We want it to be... Not just in our minds, but in our hearts and in our lives. We, we want, Lord, for Your Word to become real to us. We, we want to be those kind of people that we read about that really believe that You would do what You said You would do and walk those things out every day. So would You do that for us this morning, Lord God? In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, this is Acts chapter 3. I'm going to start here with the uh, first 10 verses and we'll read that together. And again, this is just shortly after, a short time after Pentecost. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon, three o'clock prayer meeting. That's where they're going. They're going to church. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was... I I like this because, you know, you see guys on the corner with the signs and stuff. I like that. But somehow, I think, you know, like on the freeway ramp, that's one thing. But if they would just park in front of the church, they'd probably do better because... People that are Christians hopefully would give him more money. I don't know this guy. I think he had a system. He's going in front of the church. He goes, "Oh, this will work." So that's I like that. I, you know, it's just a thought. Man was lame from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, "Look at us." So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them, and then Peter said. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's just some powerful stuff right there, is it not? What a story. I, I, uh, every week at our home group, we, we take time to share stories. I love this. Shane and Sarah are very diligent to do this every week first thing we do we have dinner that's the first thing but the first thing when we gather we say "Hey, what anybody got a story a god story anybody? god do anything in anybody's life this week and we take a minute and you know truth be told some weeks nobody has a story uh, you know and it's not always like this i was thinking though that i'd like to have this story i would love it if i came in one monday night hey anybody got a story yeah i got a little story i'll share and i had that story i thought that's a story that's a story um and again, the purpose and Shane's always very gracious. Hey, it's not a competition. We're not trying to outdo each other. It's just an encouragement. It's an encouragement for us to be mindful during the day. <laughs> during the, I'm sorry, I can't help but smile. They're just so cute. Hello, kids. Go on, go out and play. Good job, Justin. I see she's doing all the work. Why? Why are you just wandering behind? I. I Okay, so, uh, you know, again, here's the thing. I want to make another little side comment here. We talked about this in a previous message in Acts 2. The notion of power evangelism, I don't know if that's a term you guys are familiar with. It was a book by John Wimber written back in the the 1980s. It was voted by, uh, at the turn of the century, it was voted by Christianity Today as the number 12 most influential Christian book of the last century. Um, and John's perspective in the book and the, the whole point of power evangelism is that we would employ the gifts of the Holy Spirit in sharing our faith with others. And that those gifts, the miraculous works of God, whether they be healing or other things, would would bring credence, would give credence, would bring uh, a validation to the message of the gospel. And I shared with you a quote a few weeks ago. There are those that disagree. There are those that think this is not a valid approach to evangelism. I I would have to say I think it's the approach to evangelism. Now, John used to say no evangelism is bad evangelism. So yes, absolutely there's other things we can do other ways. But in my mind uh, you know, I, I, I just it's what Jesus did, really. You know, we, we, we want to, what do we say? We want to do what Jesus did, right? What did Jesus do? Well, he met the woman at the well. He had a word of knowledge and spoke that knowledge to her. And then her life turned around. And then what happened? Her whole village got said. He multiplied food and fed a bunch of people. And then what happened? More people came to follow him. They wanted that too. Peter and John pray for a guy. And we'll see in a moment that the, the effect of that, there's a ripple effect when the, when the, the gifts of the Spirit are, are actively working through the lives of God's people and God begins to pour His Spirit out on people. People begin to follow. It's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. This guy here, he's healed miraculously. This is a miraculous healing, okay? And You, you knew that, right? And then he, he, a, a crowd comes. They're, it says they're filled with wonder and amazement. Well, Duh. I would be too. Wouldn't you be filled with wonder and amazement if you saw that happen? That, that's an awesome thing. So Peter seizes the day, so to speak. He, and and we're, I'm not going to read the, the next little section, but when the crowd gathers, Peter sees this crowd, so he stands up and he goes, Hey, 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 let me just tell you what happened right here. You think we did this? We didn't do this. I, John and I did not do this. Jesus did this. Jesus healed this guy. And and so let me tell you about Jesus. And he just tells them about Jesus. And here's the outcome. After Peter preaches, and we'll skip to four, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. So some people heard about it, didn't like it. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail till the next day. But, but many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Okay, a couple points here. First of all, I'm not making any sort of a judgment. I'm just saying... Culturally, at the time, women and children were of less value societally, so they weren't counted. So, when he says the number of men, he doesn't mean that, doesn't mean the number of people. That literally means the number of men. I bring that up only to say that the number of people obviously was larger. It grew to 5,000 men. That could have been. 7, 8, 9, 10, 12,000 people. I don't know because they didn't count the women or children. And there were 3,000 saved at Pentecost that first day. More people began to follow. So there's no way we have enough information to do the exact math on this. But a significant group of people began to follow Jesus after this event. Okay? So... That's a good deal. I, I, th- thinking about this. They got arrested. I, you know, they put them in jail. It's night. It's it's late in the day. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. This thing happens. Crowd It's five, six o'clock at night. What are we gonna do? Throw these guys in jail for the night? I would spend a night in jail for that. I really would. I think well, you know, it's a night in jail. Kind of it'd be interesting, right? Make new friends. Peter preaches the gospel in jail. It works for him. I don't know. Um, So so, so they throw him in jail. I'm thinking that's okay. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. In chapter 3, it doesn't tell who they were here. It just says the priests and the captain, the guard. In chapter 3, it tells us that Caiaphas and Annas, the high priest, came. A little reminder here. Those were some of the same people that helped crucify Jesus. So the guys that helped crucify Jesus have shown up. They're not happy and they put them in jail. So that turns up the heat a little bit. Now, this might not be a night in jail. This could be... Right? I mean, that could be the outcome. So I would like to think that I would do what Peter did right here. Truth be told, I don't know if I would. I just don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure that I would have the, the 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 fortitude to to go ahead and 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 push this one through. I might just say, you know, excuse me, Your Honor. I'm very sorry. We didn't mean to make this disruption. If you will gladly let me live, we'll leave town tomorrow. We won't bother you any further. But that's not what Peter does. This is what Peter does. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. So he's speaking now directly to the guys in charge. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness showed to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. I like he changes that a little bit. The stone you rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So he just goes for I mean, again, I'm kind of thinking, wait a minute, that could just end you up, you know, dead. Um, but that's not what he does. He preaches. He, he tells them the truth and he tells it with power and conviction. Now, all of that is just to say this. And here's my point today. And this is the one thing I want you to take home with you today. The next verse says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The distinguishing factor the thing that set them apart was not their education. It was not, uh, it, was, it was not their money. They told the guy at the gate they didn't have any money. They weren't wealthy by any means. They weren't educated. They weren't powerful. They, weren't, they didn't have any great position in society. I don't think they were even that good looking. The, the only thing that distinguished them is that they had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus. I love one of my favorite passages is uh, the 33rd chapter of Exodus. And the children of Israel have been wandering around the desert for 40 years. They are now on the banks of the Jordan River and they're about to cross over into the promised land. And Moses and God have a little conversation. God's unhappy because Well, it took them 40 years to make a trip that should have taken them about three weeks. He says, you guys have just... So he says this. He made a promise. He's going to keep his promise. He says, "I I told you I'd give you the promised land, so now you're going to go into the promised land just as I said you would. But I'm not going to go with you. And God says back to Moses, if you don't go, we don't go. There's no point. Because nothing else distinguishes us from all the other people in the world except your presence. That's the only thing. That's all there is. If you don't go, we're not going to go. God relents and says, okay, I'll go. These men had been with Jesus. There was nothing else that separated them out. There was nothing else that distinguished them. There was nothing else that made them Special or extraordinary—they were not super spiritual. They were not superstars. They, they they were unschooled, ordinary men who had been with Jesus. I'll talk about Peter Peter for a minute. I, I love Peter. Peter's a good guy. I like Peter because he's the real deal. I do, that, and that's what I like about Peter. He—he he is the real deal. He's very bold right here. He's incredibly bold, but he was not always so bold. In fact. He's kind of erratic in his behavior, really. You know, in the garden, the guards come to arrest Jesus, and it's Peter who draws his sword and cuts a guy's ear off, okay? A lot of bravado there. Not very smart. Not a smart move, really, at all. Jesus had to clean up that mess, literally speaking. Um, That was a joke. God! I can't get nothing from you guys. Then, Jesus is crucified. Peter's behavior at the crucifixion of Jesus is shameful. He's not bold. In fact, he's frightened so much that he, here he doesn't back down from guys that might put him to death. In the aftermath of the crucifixion, he backs down from a servant girl and lies and says three times no 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 you're wrong i i I don't know him i wasn't with jesus he lies and denies that he was ever with jesus after that he's so confused and so disappointed and and i'll just Add, so lacking in faith that he just goes home. He's done. He goes back to fishing. That's what he used to do. I really believe when Peter said, I'm going fishing, he meant, I'm out. Game over. We thought something was going to happen. It didn't happen. I'm out. That's Peter. We think, I, when we read the Bible, Peter, the Apostle, Peter, I really believe the 12 disciples, are, the, the, the whole point is that they were ordinary people. The whole point is they were ordinary people. There was nothing unique or special about them. They had no qualifications really other than they had been with Jesus. Nothing distinguished them from anybody else. If anything, and I say this very affectionately they were kind of knuckleheads Very good knuckleheads but knuckleheads, I mean you know P- Peter and John Peter, Peter and John were both commercial fishermen okay fishermen stink can I just tell you that have you ever watched that deadliest catch show uh, th- th- those are if you've never seen that, that, that those are some crusty individuals let me just say that you go fishing here's what happens Go salmon fishing, you catch a fish, you handle that fish, you clean that fish, you go home, you wash your hands. And what happens after you wash your hands? They still smell like fish. So you get the dishwashing detergent out, dishwashing soap, and you wash them again, and they still smell. And you go to bed that night, you wash your hands five times, and your hands still smell like fish. You just can't get rid of it. So let me just, hypothetically speaking here, if that's what you do all day every day, the end result is you smell like fish. That's what you do. You smell like fish all the time. You stink. That's what fishermen do. They, they stink. Nice people. They smell like fish. They cuss. They spit. They're crusty people. That's it. Ordinary people. Not bad guys. Just nothing special. John is Peter's partner here. Uh, also a fisherman. Jo- John and his brother, Jesus he nicknamed them the Sons of Thunder, right? Sons of Thunder. Uh, we say oh, Sons of Thunder. We, uh, people spiritualize that name. You know, Oh, the prophetic, the Sons of Thunder are coming. Uh, you know what? I think they got the name around the campfire at night, first of all. Second of all, what, what, if there was anything that set those two guys apart, they were always fighting and arguing. They were a total pain. They were always arguing, always wanting the best position, this, that, and the other. Very not gracious. They want to call fire and brimstone down on people all the time. Jesus is always having to reel them in. Whoa! Come back, come back. No, no, no. That's not what we do. Ordinary people. I mean, I just... All through the New Testament, all through the... We won't even go to the Old Testament today because... Those guys were out of control, but all through the New Testament, we see really the people of God the, the people that God chooses to use are are not super spiritual people they're not they're not they, 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 they didn't necessarily have have it all together they didn't have, they, they were all in process they're all human beings they're all frail they're all subject to all of the same stuff that you and I are subject to they they, they haven't figured life out yet. They're in process. And Jesus uses them. And I just I, I, I can't tell you how much I love that. I can't tell you how special that is to me. Thomas it gets the nickname Doubting Thomas. How would you like to be saddled that for return with that for eternity, you know? Doubting Thomas, he doubted. Anybody ever have doubt? Anybody? Come on. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand in this one. Anybody ever feel like that doubt disqualifies you? Yeah, some of you do. It didn't disqualify Thomas. I, I, don't, I don't look at, first of all, I think there are personality traits, there are characteristics that people have. They just have he didn't just doubt once. He doubted. That's what he did. That was his nature. He's, Jesus the resurrected Christ. Jesus dies. They saw him in the tomb. He raises. He's standing there, and Thomas doesn't believe it. Seeing was not believing. I don't believe it until I put my finger in the hole. Ah, good night. But it didn't disqualify him. I want to talk about Judas for a minute. Yes, Judas, Judas betrayed Jesus, but he also walked with Jesus for three years. And I believe that Judas was conflicted throughout that three years. I don't think Judas woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to betray Jesus today. I've been walking with him all this time and I think I'm going to turn him over to the authorities today. I think that those thoughts and those feelings were stirring inside of Judas the whole time. I think he was a very, very conflicted individual. I'm absolutely certain that in the course of those three years that he saw things, he heard things, he did things, he participated in the same things the other disciples participated in, that he saw God move in powerful ways, that he heard Jesus say amazing things, and that he, part of him, really knew and really believed that Jesus was who Jesus said he was, and yet at the end of the day, that conflict overwhelmed him, and he betrayed Jesus. But I think Judas was just an ordinary guy. And all throughout the book of Acts, that's what we see over and over again, is God doing extraordinary things with ordinary people. There's a gal named Lydia in the book of Acts. She works retail, fashionista. Uh, She gets saved and they start a church in her house. Go figure. Go figure. Priscilla and Aquila, immigrants. They move from Italy. They, they, They land in Israel and they hook up with Paul. They start going out and praying for people and seeing miracles happen. Just like that. This is the stuff that happens. Ordinary people, ordinary people. God isn't looking. I don't think He's looking for uh, superstars. I really don't. I I, I don't think God's looking for people that have it all figured out. I don't think God's looking for people that are perfect or just. I just think He really He's looking for people that'll say, "Yeah, okay, I'm in. I'll go. I'll do it." I I think that's all it takes. I'm in. I'll 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 do this. I'll, I'll step out in faith. I'm willing to make a little sacrifice. I'm willing to look like a knucklehead if that's what it takes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow after you. The only thing, the only distinguishing factor, the only thing that, you know, just like Moses said, the only thing that separates you and I from anybody else is that we've been with Jesus. If I can encourage you guys today, that's what qualifies you. there's only one qualification is to be with Jesus. That's it. That's the only qualification. Nothing else matters. Nothing else. If I can encourage you in anything today, how well you know the Bible doesn't matter. Your education, your wealth, your social status, your good looks, none of it matters. The only thing that matters is that you've been with Jesus. That's the only thing that matters. If you're going to put time and energy and effort into anything, put it into that. Take time to be with Jesus take time to be with jesus that's the only thing that will qualify you that's the only thing that god cares about i i really believe he wants to use people that are ordinary people that are just like these people that we read about that have foibles and frailties that make mistakes that trip and fall but then say you know what i'm going to get up and i'm going to do it again that's all he's looking for why don't we stand cindy would you join me please oh look we have a few minutes Here's the thing. During worship this morning, obviously I had the message planned out, but I really, God spoke to me and and I hadn't considered this. But I felt like he said that there are some of us who have felt disqualified. And um, I just think he wants to break that off today. Just, I don't know that, look, we make mistakes. I don't know that anybody's done what Peter did. Certainly no one's done what David did. There's nothing, and this is, thus saith the Lord. I don't say that very often, but there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you've done. It'll disqualify you from this. So whatever it is, the enemy has a way of just taking over and taking control of our minds and our hearts and and capturing us and putting us in a place where we feel like God can't love me, God can't use me, this, that, and the other thing. And it's just not true. It's just not true. So I'm going to ask our ministry team to come up in the front and Just take a minute and let that soak in. Cindy's going to lead us a little bit of worship. And at the end of that time, I'll invite you to come and pray. But just allow God to penetrate your heart with that this morning.